podcast land. You are such a job once again in combat sports with Rhino, your first best and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. What do we cover? We cover boxing. We cover MMA. We cover kickboxing. We cover Muay Thai. Any and everything on the old MMA or combat sports landscape, we like to cover and get down on this show from time to time. So what's our schedule looking like today? Well, we have got ourselves a bevy of information that we're going to be covering, but I don't want to bury the lead as I tend to do. My guest this week is Kai the Shadow Wu. You may have seen him in Bellator. If you follow the Way of the Dragon promotion from Asia, uh, he is an absolute up-and-coming prospect who I think in the next year or two, everybody's going to have their eyes on and know about. This kid is really talented. He's a fantastic interview. I hope you guys stick around for that. So as we see the rest of the schedule going, we are going to introduce a new segment for when I have multiple fighters on that I've interviewed before, uh, members of the Rhino Gang. When they fight in the same weekend, I want to make sure everybody gets covered. So we're going to call this segment the Rhino Gang Roundup. Yeehaw! <laughs> then, of course, our full breakdown of UFC 21, Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Our main card picks for UFC Vegas 22, a great Q&A with the Rhino Gang. And then, like I said, Kai the Shadow Wu goes 10 rounds with Rhino. So... Let's get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies on in. Dive right in. The Rhino Gang Roundup. Yee-haw! <laughs> We're going to start with lion fights with my girl, Andy the Crazy Nguyen. Got a dominant unanimous decision over uh, the Van the Van Wink lady. Uh, Andy completely beautiful teeps, jabs, one-two. She was switching stance. She was cutting angles. Dave Fretz and I were doing a watch-along on it, and my God, we were both like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so, I love lion fights. I love Muay Thai. I know Drea does too. I know lots of you do as well. So, check out lion fights, man. And my girl, Andy the Crazy Gwen did, Gwen did a fantastic job. She looked just as good as ever. So, awesome, awesome stuff for her. Moving into the CFFC, or the Cage Fury Fight Championships. We had Jasmine Jazdavicious uh, beat Ashley Deem by unanimous decision. This one was a lot of grappling. It was very grapple heavy. Jasmine got the clear unanimous decision. I think it was two rounds to one. Um, and then Aaron Jeffrey went into the 185 pound CFFC championship match against Tom Huppody or Huppity. Um, this one was a grinder, man. He Aaron completely was dominant in the grappling. He and not on the grappling on the ground, but he just kept pressing Tom up against the cage, short shots. You know, there wasn't a ton of striking, but Aaron completely won all four rounds on the CFFC. It's a five round fight if they needed to be a five round fight, but it goes four if they don't need it to. Does that make sense? So yeah, Aaron Jeffrey is the new CFFC champ. So the first new champ of the uh, Rhino Gang roster of fighters who I interviewed, which is very, very cool. So congratulations once again to Andy. Uh, the Crazian Wen, Jasmine Jazdavicious, and Aaron Jeffrey for their wins on Friday night. All right, that's going to end the uh, Rhino Gang roundup from Friday. So let's go ahead and get into our UFC Vegas 21. We'll start off with the prelims. We had Jason Witt versus Matthew Semmelsberger. This one, we didn't have to wait long for this one, folks. <laughs> like, Jason Witt came out and threw a couple uh, leg kicks, and then Matthew Semmelsberger threw a beautiful straight right down the pipe hit Witt right in the face, knocked him down and out. 16 seconds in the first round, KO for Matthew Semmelsberger. Uh, moving into the 100, that was at 170. Moving into the 115-pound division, we had Gloria DePaula versus Jin Hu Frey. This one was a tale of three completely separate rounds, right? Uh, Jin held her down almost the entire first round, um, really had top control. The second round, DePaula used her beautiful Muay Thai and was kind of lighting uh, Jin Hu Frey up. 
Then the third, Jin was able to take her down again and just kind of control her with the top control. So definitely two rounds to one. You name this. This is Virginia Jin Yu Fry. Moving into the 125-pound division, we had Courtney Cast Iron Casey versus JJ Aldridge. This one was a strange one for me, dude. Courtney Casey really outlanded JJ. I thought the entire fight, JJ did get some takedowns. She had some nice sub attempts. Um, but I thought clearly that Courtney Casey won. They did not see it that way, they being the judges. So JJ Aldridge got the split decision over Courtney Cast Iron Casey. I don't know about that one, but hey, it is what it is. All righty, moving into a very fun, the first like really fun back and forth fight. We had Nasrat Hakparast over Hafa Garcia. This one was a very fun fight. Uh, lots of back and forth. In the second and the third, Nasrat really started to separate himself. Beautiful left hands, that heavy body kick. His uppercuts are super duper fast. Really impressed uh, with that uppercut technique that he employs. The um, the 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 hooks were really wide and wing, but they were finding a way. Rafa Garcia did a good job of staying in, but it was clearly, you know, it was a short notice frame. It was a step-up fight. Uh, Nasrat really was the much better fighter in the second and the third. Great win for him. All right, that's a unanimous decision for uh, Hawk Parast. Moving into the longtime jiu-jitsu ace, uh, Hani Yaya versus Ray Rodriguez. This one was... One by traffic, <laughs> early clinch. Ronnie Yaya gets a takedown. He he controlled him in the first, and then a second got the arm triangle for his twenty-first uh, submission win for the thirty-six-year-old. Very very cool win. Always liked Ronnie Yaya. He doesn't claim to be anything else than what he is. He's a great jujitsu practitioner and submission guy, and he got it done again. Uh, moving into another really fun fight, Charles Air Jordan got the third round TKO over Marcelo Royo. Rojo. Um, this one was Marcelo, I thought, won the first two rounds. And there's a lot of good exchanges. It was very close. You could make a case for Charles. But I really thought Marcelo won the first two rounds. And in the third, Charles, you know, he, he dropped him. He tried, like, doing some sort of Spider-Man run the cage, Superman, G&P maneuver, which was fun and it was exciting. Charles Jordan got the third round TKO over Marcelo. I really enjoyed that fight. That was a really fun. That was my favorite one on the prelims. Um, that was at 145. Moving into Angela Hill versus Ashley Yoder. This one, again, one-way traffic, dude. Angela Hill, lots of clinch work, especially the first nice knees, inside elbows. She was really picking her apart in the first and the second. Yoder did manage to do a little bit better in the third. She did get a, a takedown, but this was all Angela overkill Hill. Start to finish, wonderful uh, performance by her. She looked better than she looked in a while. Angela Hill gets another win at 115. I think Ashley Yoder's probably done with the UFC at this point. All right, moving into our main card. Ugh, this one hurt the old Rhino to see, dude. Eric Anders and Darren Stewart. I love both those guys. I said it last week. I've had Eric on my show. I've been on the woe with uh, with Darren, and I just really love both these guys. I love the way they fight. This one was what I was not looking forward to seeing, but once they got going, man, they were really, really hitting each other. It was beautiful. They were throwing kind of technique out the window and just going hard at each other. Uh, Darren actually got hurt. He hurt Eric, and then Eric hurt him back, and then Darren was really hurt by a couple of punches. Eric was throwing a really long combination, um, and then got Darren. Darren was on his knee, and Eric Anders looked right at him, grabbed his head, and then threw a knee in a legal clearly blatant illegal knee to the down opponent of Darren Stewart. Um, they called it a no contest because Herb Dean uh, deemed it. It was unintentional. It looked intentional to me. I think, I think Eric got caught up in the, in the moment. I'm not sure, but it looked intentional to me. I thought it should have been a DQ win for Darren instead. It is a, uh, you know, they call it a no, they call it a no decision. 
in boxing, we've always had no contest, right? So my, I say no contest. There's no contest. So that fight never happened. Really not good for anybody. Let's just move on from that. <laughs> so um, then we got to put to Monel Cop versus Mateus Nicklau. This one was, I didn't agree with this one at all. I thought Manel Cop did enough to win. Um, but again, he takes too many breaks right he takes there's too many lulls in activity and he was he was better this time than the first time we saw him in the ufc but i still think he's a better fighter than matias uh matias got the split decision dude he had more he had the takedowns and i guess they gave put a lot of stock into that they being the judges so matias got the split decision i thought for sure uh Cape got it so i don't know cop should have won that fight dude 125 all right moving into jonathan martinez versus davy grant what a shot. Jonathan Martinez, I thought, was getting uh, better the exchanges of the first, the heavy leg kicks. He dropped Davey with a right with a with a with a left hand, excuse me, uh, right before the bell on the first round. Davey Grant said, I'm all in, dude. Let's just go. So he came on the second round and was just throwing all these wild, gnarly shots, huge winging hooks. Um, he caught. <laughs> he caught Jonathan right on the chin with a huge KO that knocked Jonathan Martinez down and out. Big win for David Grant. He's a really likable guy. I enjoyed his interview afterwards. He's been around a really long time. I think they said he's got 20 years of experience. Something uh, amazing. Big win for David Grant. Beautiful KO. I loved it. All right, moving back into the featherweight division, we had Gavin Tucker versus Dan 50K Ige. Uh, one hitter quitter, dude. <laughs> First punch he threw, Dan Ige, straight one, down, hits, hits Gavin, Gavin Tucker right on the chin. 50K Ige gets him out of there very early in the first round. Big win for him at 145. Then he called out the uh, Korean zombie, which we have a question about in the Rhino Gang Q&A, which I'll be addressing, which I thought was awesome. Uh, moving into Misha Serkinov versus Ryan Spann at 205 is our co-main event. Uh, Spann dropped Misha early, and then he really never – Misha really never got back into it, dude. Ryan Spann jumped on him with finished it up with some GNP. Misha was out of it. Ryan Spann had a great performance. Again, a first-round TKO stoppage. Ryan Spann gets the win. Uh, yeah, he, he – what would he call it? I see one of the winner of Anthony Smith um, – of Anthony, the next Anthony Smith fight. I think I think that would be cool. I'd like to see that. Uh, Misha Serkinov is going to slide back down the bench, dude. Uh, you, you, yeah, for sure. Um, Bilal Muhammad and Leon Edwards was next at 170 pounds. Our main event. I'm going to go over this kind of quickly because, uh, man. So, again, Leon looked pretty good after nearly a two-year layoff. Uh, he was outlanding Bilal. He seemed to be a little bit quicker. Bilal was doing a good job of avoiding a lot of shots to him, blocking. I mean, there was a big fight, long fight ahead. I give the first round to Leon, but it was fairly close. The second, very early on, um, the eye poke, a bad eye poke. Now, Leon was warned in the first round about extending his fingers. He did it again anyway. He poked really bad Bilal in the eye. Bilal was crying. He was screaming. He could not continue. The ref stopped the fight. It was the right move. His eye looked terrible. Uh, so that would, again, was considered a, is, is called a no contest due to eye poke. I, I don't want to talk much more about this fight. There was already it's so much. Blech. So, yeah, I hate I hated it. I mean, I'm so bummed for Bilal. Um, yeah, it's not a good scene. All right. So let's go ahead and get into some more fun because we like to keep the fun flowing over here at CSWR. Not the bad, not the sad, not the bummers. We like to we like the happy fun time. So D-Ray, let's go ahead and give Dre a call and get into her world famous Dre's Drop of the Night. All righty, folks of the Rhino Gang, let's go ahead and get into our Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Drea has joined us once again, my future player, 
Thank you so much for joining us this week, Drea. Now, what did you pick for your world-famous Drea's Drop of the Night from the weekend? My Drop of the Night is actually going to come from Lion Fight 64 uh, from Friday night. Steve Walker versus Brian Collette was jaw-dropping like in the first 10 seconds of the fight. Steve throws a head kick that knocks Brian down, but he gets up, recovers enough to continue, and then Steve just puts it on him, throws everything but the kitchen sink at him, um, hitting him with a one-two head kick, body kick, another head kick, another head kick, getting him up to the corner, and he finishes him with this like beautiful Taekwondo-style tornado kick that just lands perfectly to the head of Colette, and he goes down uh, to end the fight. It's, it was a beautiful KO with that spinning shit that you know i love and yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah my drop of the night goes to steve put him to sleepwalker steve put him to sleepwalker if you guys have not seen it if you guys miss lion fights check it out i'm sure it's on youtube i'm sure you can find it it is out of a jean-claude van damp type of movie move where he does yes. like the full-on you call it a tornado i just called it a jumping spinning kick because i didn't know the name but it yeah. just get <laughs> beautiful so put him to sleep he did that's a perfect nickname it was awesome i loved it i absolutely co-signed that with my friend so and i will um, post it on twitter there's actually a ufc fight pass uh, posted the video so i will be sharing that video um, with everyone so you guys can can catch it because it was absolutely beautiful oh yeah it's one of those things you see very rarely so absolutely uh very cool video i hope everybody gets a chance to check it out so next week uh well last night's card was kind of meh you know so uh, mm-hmm. i'm hoping next week's really uh picks up the pace we have a lot more you know barn burners or slobber knockers as the old rhino loves to say so let's go <laughs> ahead and get into our main main card picks for ufc vegas 22 i'll get us started for the main card <clears throat> i've got cheyenne buys over Montserrat Ruiz by unanimous decision. What's your call on that one, Drea? I am going opposites of you and taking Montserrat on this one. Um, I debated back and forth on a unanimous decision or a sub, but I think I'm going to go with sub. I think she's going to sub her around too. Well, full disclosure, after months of just pulverizing Drea picks, <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 it was getting, it wasn't even getting fun for the old rhino anymore. I was just beating her so badly for so long. <laughs> Dre, I, I finally won. pulled off the win last night. And yeah, well, I think you won, you won a couple weeks ago though, too, I think. Yeah, was, I did. I think it yeah. Not last week, but the week <laughs> no, I won last weekend. But I think well, I don't. We didn't even pick. I didn't think we picked against each other last week. But the week before, you won, and then you definitely won last night as well. So Dre, yeah. I believe is on a two-picking <laughs> win streak against me. So this one has has much more uh, at stake. So we'll see what happens. So we're already okay. starting out with... Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. Oh, so we're I, starting, we're off starting out. Yeah, we're already starting yeah. out opposites. So let's get into the next one. We've got Max Payne Griffin versus... Uh, is it... Oh, shoot. Is it is it Keenan? Keenan yeah. Song. Keenan Song. Um, I've got Max winning by third round. TKO on that one. What do you got, Drea? Um... I, I want to pull for Max Griffin, but I think Keenan's going to pull this one off. I think it's going to be a close fight, and I'm I'm going Keenan Song with a unanimous decision. 
Alrighty, moving into Adrian Yanez versus Gustavo Lopez. I've got our guy Adrian Yanez coming off of his beautiful uh, head kick. I, I, dude, I love this kid. So I've got first round TKO Adrian Yanez over Gustavo Lopez. First round TKO. What say you, teach play, Adrea? I'm with you all the way on that. I'm going Adrian Yanez uh, defeating Gustavo, but I'm going round two uh, TKO for Yanez. Moving into my favorite division, the heavyweights, we got Dante Mays versus Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa, the king of the shoey. Um, I think <laughs> this one could have has the potential to be an amazing, uh, spectacular KO. I'm going Dante Mays third round clean KO over Ty Tuivasa, and I'm calling my shot, Drea. I'm okay. it is going to be a left hook off of a slip. I think Tuivasa is going to throw kind of a wild overhand right. Dante Mays is going to slip it, throw a check left hook, knock Ty Tuivasa clean out, third round KO for Dante Mays. Lovely. I'm actually with you on that as well, but I'm going around two. I'm taking Dante Mays uh, with a round two clean KO over Tuivasa. So we both got clean <laughs> KOs, but we just got uh-huh. different rounds. All right, now this one's going to be interesting to watch. So Gregor Gillespie versus Brad Quake Riddell. Uh, boy, we all know what happened last time Gregor Gillespie was in the cage, dude. It, he got sent to the shadow realm by Kevin Lee with that kick. I mean, it was it was meme worthy. It was an amazing clean KO. He got zombied. It was rough. Uh, mm-hmm. Brad Riddell is a good fighter. I think Gregor is going to be really gun shy with um, with exchanging. So I think he's going to go to his really good wrestling early. I- I'd like to see something different than that happen. But, but you know, then Gregor just kind of lay and pray all three rounds. But I was I was on Team Riddell last night when I was thinking about it. But now I've kind of switched my mind. I'm going to go with Gregor Gillespie getting a uh, unanimous decision. Basically, all grappling, right? I think it's going to be a lot of takedowns, a lot of top control, a lot of position over submission. I got, I got Gregor Gillespie winning by unanimous decision. So I've changed my mind from yesterday to today. What's your <laughs> call on that one, future player, Drea? I am going Gregor Gillespie uh, as well. I agree with you. I think it's going to be taken to the ground and be a ground fight. So I'm actually giving Gillespie the win by sub. I'm going around three sub. Alrighty, moving it into our third. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, third. Our main event of the evening. Here's the problem with the old Rhino's notes, you guys. They're not in like sequential perfect order. So sometimes I look at the wrong thing. <laughs> for the <laughs> main events. You probably have arrows pointing like oh, from the I, bottom. I, I would, that would be too organized if I had arrows pointing. <laughs> it's just it's a mess. So Kevin Holland versus uh Derek Brunson. Kevin Holland is on a rocket ship towards superstardom. I am completely convinced of that. Derek Brunson, a very tough fighter, veteran. However, I've got Kevin Holland winning by TKO due to knees in the second round. TKO due to knees. In the second round, uh, knees where they're on their feet and that are totally legal, by the way. So, yeah, <laughs> Kevin Holland, yes, Derek Brunson, KO in the second, or TKO, <laughs> I should say. What about you, Drea? Um, I'm going Kevin Holland as well. I'm totally on that hype train. He's he's proven us, you know, he's proven himself that he's nothing to mess with. So, I'm going Kevin Holland and I'm going TKO in the third. Speaking of things that are nothing to mess with, we're going to move into our Twitter questions, and we got our girl, Cincy Sarah, and she, my friends, is no one to mess with. We love her. Wonderful member of the Rhino Gang. Cincy Sarah, what is your question for this week? 
Would love to hear your thoughts on possibly switching up the gloves with these crazy eye pokes happening. What will it take to change it and why haven't they yet? I'd love to see some sort of design that would help, right? I would love to see the eye pokes be minimized. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> you still have to have the hands at full dexterity for the grappling, right? So that's the, that's the problem. That's where there's the impasse that gets found. And some people say, well, they should go back to the uh, pride style gloves because there was less eye pokes there. Um, I know we, we talked about this in the, tw in the space last night. Um, Trevor Whitman has a design of gloves that are kind of similar to prize that are supposedly um, designed specifically to cut down on the eye pokes. I just think that that design is out there and hasn't been hasn't been perfected, right? There needs to be some sort of design where you can still have full dexterity of your fingers for the grappling aspect, yet still be able to um, avoid this many eyeballs. You can't avoid them all. I mean, that's it. It's inevitable. If you've got open face gloves, open finger gloves, there's going to be eye pokes here and there, but there is a way to minimize them. I'm, I'm sure of it. It just hasn't been figured out completely yet. Right. Um, the, the problem is I don't think Dana would want to change anything because on a large scale, that would be a very costly endeavor. I think that's first. Second, I'm not sure that short of an eye being gouged, eye being gouged out. I don't think that there would be any call for any sort of change from the commission. I mean, eye pokes have been a part of MMA from the beginning. Yes, they happen. They don't happen super often. At least they're not fight ending super often. But when they do happen, they're like catastrophic often for the other fighter, right? I mean, if at best, they stop the fight. And at worst, they have to get eye surgery. You know what I mean? It's a horrible thing. I remember Anthony Johnson had to get eye surgery. Obviously, there's been a million cases where people got really bad eye pokes, not just the fight ending, but it like really affects their career moving forward. So I'm with everybody else. I really hope they figure out a way to design a glove where you can have the good grappling yet minimizes the eye pokes. And then Dana is kind of forced into changing because I don't think that's something that he wants to do. So great question, Sarah. Thank you so much for asking my friend. If you guys haven't already absolutely check out Cincinnati Sarah on her YouTube channel. She is so funny. She is informative. She's awesome. We love her. All right. Moving into our next one from my boy at home and sale. What do you got this week, dude? Kind of a hit and miss card last night. Next week's UFC Vegas 22 looks like it could have some good scraps. Who are you most looking forward to watching? Oh, that's a good question, dude. I love when we don't have like a great card. I really love focusing on the next one. So I appreciate this one. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but I think Dante Mays and Ty Bam Bam Tui could leave us with like that. Holy shit moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like They're both really big, strong, powerful heavyweights that can shut the lights out. Uh, neither has shown a great deal of head movement or like a defensive prowess, right? In the fights that we've seen. So I'm big time hopeful. We're going to get like a huge, gnarly heavyweight style KO. That's what I really want to see. So I'm really looking forward to that one next week. Thank you so much, my brother. I know our third one comes from our girl, APP. What do you got this week, APP? Last night was full of quick finishes. I had to rewind two of them because I blinked. One of those fights was Ige versus Tucker. Who do you want to see Dan fight next after his alleged 22-second KO of Tucker? I say alleged because in real time, it seemed more like six seconds. I think the time clock sprung forward on that one. 
<laughs> Spring forward, that's good. The uh, yeah, there's the, the the daylight savings time thing has all of us kind of <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> mess, mess, messed up. Um, a great great question, APB. I think what's next for Dan Ige is exactly what he what he said. He called out the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. I love that fight. Chan is coming off his loss to T City Ortega. Dan is coming off the big win last night. Um, I think Chan Sung Jung is like four or five uh, spaces ahead of him in the rankings. So this would be a great time for them to kind of meet in the middle and see who moves up and who slides down. I love the matchup, dude. It's got the potential for an all-out slugfest between two really good strikers on the feet. We all know that Chan Sung Jung can really take a – uh, he's got a great chin, right? And then Ige, I think, is really on the rise. His confidence has never been higher. I, I love that matchup. I hope that's the one that the UFC makes. So, yes, let's go. Korean Zombie versus 50K Ige next. I would love it. I think everybody else would love it, too. I, yeah, I definitely want that fight to happen. So, APB, thank you so very much, my dear friend, for the awesome question. I know our fourth Twitter question comes from our homie up in Canada, the raging one himself, the raging sweet potato. What do you got for this week, dude? Aside from Orsini's hit headbutting Mayweather and Tyson biting Holyfield's ear, was there ever, or excuse me, has there ever been a fight ending foul in boxing as outrageous as we have seen the last two weeks in a row in the UFC main events? Yes. The first thing that came to mind was the saga that was Riddick Bowe versus Andrew Golata. Low blows were the the kind of the narrative of those fights, right? Andrew Golotta just constantly was throwing low blows at Riddick Bowe. Their first fight, he gets disqualified for throwing low blows. A few months later, they're having their rematch. What happens, Drea? He got disqualified for throwing low, for low blows. <laughs> oh, God. They did a whole vignette prior to the fight of them, like, when in Golotta's training center, uh, having a pair of shorts on the heavy bag specifically designed to be like Riddick Bowe's heights and everything, right? Yeah. And so he made sure all the punches were above the belt line. And then as soon as he gets in trouble in the second fight, he starts throwing low blows again. Uh, it was terrible. It, it, it caused a complete uh, melee where they were fighting. I'm, I'm not even sure where. Well, Madison Square Garden, maybe. Uh, I'm not even sure where they were. But a huge fight not only broke out like a melee in the ring, but then there was all these fights that were happening in the arena. It just it was a bad scene all around. But a completely all blame goes to Andrew Golada, who is by all accounts a bad, bad person. Uh, not only getting DQ'd in the first fight, but in the second fight for constant low blows, awful, egregious, terrible, everything bad right so yeah. that was my that was the first thing that came to mind that was a great question rsp i love when we sneak in a little boxing here and there especially old school boxing because it just <laughs> i don't know it gets my gets me going so thank you very much my dear friend Razor Street potato so drea you have rocked out not only your world famous drop of the night from lion fights on friday not only your picks for the main card of next week's ufc vegas 22 but our four Twitter questions we have for this day. You, my dear, are done. You are free. Your rest of your Sunday is nothing but popsicles, unicorns, and margaritas. And laundry. <laughs> <laughs> and laundry. And back yeah. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for joining us this week. You were mm -hmm. awesome, and uh, we absolutely look forward to having you on again next week. All right. See you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our voice questions. Our first one goes from my dear homie, my broski with the most key, the iron sign of graphic design, Dave Fress. What do you got for us this week, Dave? Hi, Rhino. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. 
Uh, firstly, just want to say <clears throat> rest in peace to Marvin Hagler. Uh, prayers up for his family and, and loved ones. Um, his fight, his first fight against uh, Hearns. Um, as a kid, that was the reason I fell in love with combat sports. So that was really, really sad yesterday to see. Um, secondly, I'm sure you're, you've probably got questions about this already, but I got to ask it. Uh, about the gloves um, and the eye pokes, uh, what your thought is on on how to fix this? Um, I can't understand why Dana's not going to that Pride style glove, but um, just seems ludicrous at this point that we're still still dealing dealing with this. Anyway, love to hear your thoughts. Peace. Hi, Judah, Combat Sports with Rados mascot supreme buddy. Yeah, dude, the the glove situation rears its head yet again i talked about a little bit with um sin city sarah's writing question so uh, basically what i would like to see is at some point what i would like to see i'm not saying this is going to happen i would love to see a different design of glove one that still has the dexterity with the fingers that you can use for the grappling and for all of the scrambles and whatnot but that has a far less often occurrence of eye pokes right i know the pride gloves are one option um i talked about a little earlier trevor whitman has a design that maybe they could uh, use i would love to see something that comes out because you're right this this is happening enough to where it's an issue and it needs it's one that could be addressed and fixed with some ingenuity on somebody's part so uh, some of you companies out there who make us man just make this make this and present it to data and maybe we'll see a change i'd sure love to see it so that's my answer on that one Dave Fred thank you so much hope you have a good rest of your Sunday buddy alright let's move into our next one we're staying with Canada and we're going with my boy d Crons. d Crons, what do you got dude hey Rhino what's going on my brother I'm sure this is late fucking time zones and daylight savings um, I just wanted your opinion on uh, illegal knees that everybody seems to be throwing it's all the rage um, should it be DQs across the board or no contests across the board? Or, you know, should it be, we keep it as we is, it's up to the ref to decide. And uh, other than that, uh, we lost a legend. Rest in peace, Marvin Hagler. Uh, have a happy Sunday, everyone. Love you. Bye. Yeah, man, illegal knees are tough. You got, you have to keep it as it is for right now. I think the rule set, um, unless you want to get a, get rid of the illegality of it altogether, which I would be fine with, to be honest. Um, knees to the drowning opponent, fine. I'm fine with that, really. Um, but that's not the way it is right now. I don't see that happening either, to be honest. Um, so we've just got to, unfortunately, we have to endure these situations. I hope at some point that... We could like rattle off, you know, maybe a, a year's worth of fights where there are no knees, illegal knees to a grounded opponent's head because I can't believe we see it as often as we do. I can't believe it is still done by the fighters. I get the heat of the moment. Um, it's not an excuse. I get the heat of the moment explanation. I get that. I've been in the heat of the moment many, many times. I'm a former pro fighter, as I've said 10 million times on this show. I get it. I get that. But there is a I've never thrown an elbow because you can't throw elbows in boxing, right? I've never thrown a headbutt because you can't throw headbutts. You know the rules. You have to be in control of your weapons, as I love to say in the in the octagon, the referees, you gotta be control of your weapons, dude. You can't do that. So yeah, I don't see the rule set changing anytime soon. If it did, I'd be fine with it, but I don't see that. So it's got to stay the way it is for a while. We've just got to endure it. Uh, again, I hopefully you know, they become less and less frequent because two times in two weeks, man, bad look.
All right, thank you so much, D. Kranz. Let's move into our third question. Comes from the homie Juicy Fruit Baby from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got this week, dude? What's up, Rhino? It's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. I want to get your thoughts on Charles Air Jordan. I think he looked really good, and as he alluded to, he had kind of a bad 2020 as far as luck goes, but that performance was insane. The flying ground and pound, I mean, that was amazing. So what what are some fun matchups for him moving forward? Like, rankings be damned. What would you want to see? Like, obviously, it's not going to happen, but I, I just kept thinking last night, like, him and Calvin Cater would be fun. Like, that just seems so amazing to me. I, would, I wouldn't even mind, hey, how about Alex Caceres? That's a fun matchup. But I won't, I won't uh, take any more of them. Let me hear your thoughts. Um, love you, bro. Charles Air Jordan, uh, great matchups, like are all over the place at 145, bro. Um, I like yours, of course. And if we're talking about rankings, be damned. And I can just do whatever I want as far as the 145 pound division. I came up with three that I really like. First, Yair Rodriguez, bro. Give us all the flashy spinning shit, everybody. Climb off the cage, do all your spinning shit. That would be a lot of fun. We would love it. Next, Shane Burgos, bro. Could we get, if they were to fight another Burgos-Emmett type of war? I think we could. I think they could provide that. Shane Burgos versus Charles Air Jordan would be an amazing fight. I would love it. I think everybody else would, too. The third one and probably the one I would love to see the most. My man, one of my most longtime favorite fighters in the world, Edson Barbosa, dude. Get Edson in there against Charles Jordan. And his fireworks guaranteed. It is blood. It is guts. It might be a revamp of uh tony and edson when they fought just an incredible amount of violence to be had i would love it amazing i love this question thank you so much juicy fruit baby if you guys haven't already absolutely check about him and his boy leo at uh the friendly sparring pod which should probably be out later today so check that out as well all right after a quick word from our sponsor of knr designs let's get into our 10 rounds of rhino with kai and the shadow woo Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. 
Ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest again this week. My man is only 25 years old, but he's already been able to accumulate a 6-2 and two pro record. You might know him from Bellator. You might know him from Way of the Dragon promotion. We have got ourselves Kai the Shadow Wu. Thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Yeah, dude, we are so stoked to have you on. Another one of our uh, great members of our homies over there at Dodge Sports, dude. We're absolutely stoked to talk to you today, Kai. Um, so round one with the 10 rounds of Rhino, the first round is always the same. I love to find out the uh, – we love to learn the backstory. How would you first get involved in the uh, crazy sport of MMA? <laughs> so uh, how I got started in the beginning was my brother-in-law. He's actually uh, Dave Camarillo, former grappling coach, head grappling coach at AKA. Um, and he, I've known him since I was two and he got me into jujitsu and it was actually the reason why I got started in jujitsu is because one, it was like a good sport and exercise. And when I was growing up, I wasn't a very athletic, uh, kid. I wasn't like a sports sports guy and I just wasn't very strong or whatnot. So I thought martial arts would be good for the body and, you know, to, to do all that. So that's why I started off with jujitsu, but then I ended up getting bullied <laughs> in school growing up and all this other stuff. So then it led to me wanting to get better at, at martial arts so I could defend myself a little bit more and, and this and that. And then that's how it kind of led me to competing. And then, you know, when you get, when you start competing, you get addicted. You're just like, man, I want to do more. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah, yeah. find out how good I could be. <laughs> You know, like you want to, I submitted this guy. Now, next time I want to flying arm lock him, you know, <laughs> so then you start getting that competitive edge. And I was always kind of uh, looked down and then bullied and made fun of when I was younger. So I always had that drive to prove to people that I wasn't what they said I was, you know, uh, back then that was the psychology. And then slowly over time, it evolved into now that I prove people wrong, now it's like I have a lot of family and friends that are very supportive. And it's like, how do I start proving them right? And then what can I do that, that you know, like just little stuff that led me to fighting on the big stage. And it, was, it wasn't planned at all. And those are the best types of, I think, experiences when you don't plan for it and it just naturally happens. Or, you know, the best days. You know what I'm talking about? Like those trips that you thought of and then you took a detour and it led you somewhere else. And those are like almost the best days. Uh, 1,000%, dude. 1,000%, bro. The, uh, yeah, no, I completely co-signed on that, my friend. So the uh, the shadow is a dope as fuck nickname, Kai. Dude. What is the story <laughs> Thank behind you. getting the shadow, bro? What is the story That's behind That's awesome. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I, I'm actually very fortunate to get such a cool nickname, too, because so the backstory on the the nickname, The Shadow, um, when I was uh, younger, I'm a huge comic book fan. Never watched any Disney or, you know, any of those kids cartoons growing up, only like the Justice League, Marvel and DC. So my favorite character is Batman. Now, I can't really give myself a nickname and I can't really call myself Batman because Kai the Batman would that just sounds a little funny and, you know, not as cool. So then I just had to think of something. So then one time I was fighting, I believe it was my second amateur MMA fight for 209 beatdown promotions. Um, someone after the fight came up to me. He was just a spectator. He was like, dude, it's like you're there and you're not. And whenever, you know, he did something, you did it right back, but he couldn't hit you with it. It's it's almost like you're a shadow, and I was like, oh my gosh, like oh, the there thing I'm gonna be able to get to being <laughs> to being Batman, you know? So I was yeah. like, I gotta take it. So then I embraced it, and then I, I thought I was like, 
everyone has their, you know, their origin story. And then I think that was like, I was like the shadow right there. I always hated getting hit. The first time I ever sparred when I was 14, um, I, I think I, I fra- either fractured my nose or I, I hit it hard enough to where the ligaments were pretty much jacked up for six months. Um, and then I just hated getting hit. I don't like the the thought of getting punched. So I started jiu-jitsu when I was nine. But then I started Muay Thai when I was 14. So when I got into Muay Thai, I really hated it. And then the fact that I was sparring with MMA guys, you know, just for fun, I hated just doing the stand-up rounds. So I spent so much time on it that I got really good at defensive maneuvers, like guys like Lomachenko, uh, Dominic Cruz, Pernell Whitaker. Those were all my guys to watch, the defensive type of fighters. So then when I started fighting, that I think showed. And I never realized what I was that that kind of style I was creating until when the fight happened, a lot of people were saying, "Hey, yeah, that style is very unique. It's not like everyone else's style, or it's not like a common style." And I was like, "Really?" And I started sparring with more and more people, and then fighting more. And I, I realized that it was a little bit different. Absolutely, dude. The uh, the, the elusiveness is something that a lot of, especially young fighters, are missing uh, in today's game. So the fact that you have that at such a young part of your career is really, really putting you ahead of the game, dude. Uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, you're only 25 years old. But you got eight pro fights, you had four amateur fights, uh, and your last one, you were the main event in the Way of the Dragon promotion. So you just kind of, you just started in the Ambies in 2016. Does it all seem like it's going really, really fast, dude? Because I feel like you've had a lot of fights in a really short amount of time. Yeah, um, man, I wish I had more, to be honest with you. I wish I had more amateur fights. The only reason why why I went from amateur to pro is because um, I couldn't afford being an amateur for too much longer because of the fact that I'm sure, you know, there's no money in being an amateur and I know it's good experience, but it's not like boxing where you could do it every other weekend. You know, amateur boxers get like how many fights a freaking year, you know, or before they turn pro, they could get like 50 to a few hundred even. Um, So it's, it was just unfortunate because the local scene, it's just there's a lot of people that want to look good for social media. And I think because you can really tell who's really trying to be a pro fighter and who's just doing the amateur scene for fun. And I'm not trying to hate on anyone. And if that's your thing, that's your thing, you know. But the reason why I I had a hard time, I had 12 fights from the time I was an amateur before I turned pro. I had 12 fights fall out on me. I had the most ridiculous of excuses. Some guy said – his dog ran away. He couldn't fight that day. I looked him up on Instagram. He doesn't even have a dog. It's from any of his pictures. <laughs> Some guy says he had a flat tire, but then the promoter said, hey, your opponent was here just a second ago. He rode with his team. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And then my mom, she is, uh, she lives in Taiwan right now. Um, and then when I was in high school – or I'm sorry – when I was fighting in the amateur scene, she would fly back and forth to Asia and, and back to, you know, where we are. So when I had to fight a few times, she flew over to come see me. And those plane tickets are about $1,000 each. Sure. You know, so then she came and saw she came and watched me fight. And then the fight fell through because of, of some guy either getting injured or, you know, and some of them are legitimate reasons. I'm not trying to knock on anyone. You know, I'm not trying to put anyone on blast, but it's just very unfortunate. And I have to honestly say it was a little bit unlucky of me to have so many fights fall through. That's why when I turned pro, I talked with my coaches and I knew I'm very honest with myself. I'm very honest. I, I don't claim to be the best, nor will I ever. I think I just want to strive to be the best version of myself possible. So 
uh, I knew I was always a late bloomer. I always knew I wasn't physically talented or gifted. I wasn't like the fastest guy, the strongest guy, even like my physique, it's not very intimidating. So as soon as I turned pro, I said, I need to take as many fights and lessons as possible from all these fights. So fight as frequently as I can, because I, I don't have that amateur experience. So um, my last amateur fight, it was a split decision loss. It was uh, um, against, uh, it was at the 209 promotion, 209 beatdown promotion. And that fight, I thought I won, but I just realized uh, there's more to the game, like winning on points. And then maybe I need to do this and don't leave it in the hands of the judges. So for my next fight, when I turned pro, there was an opportunity. My parents was also giving me pressure too. You know, they're giving me pressure. Like, you know, this is such a taboo, like, <laughs> sport and all that they're like they're asian too you know so they give me a lot of crap they want me to either be a doctor or a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> so it's like i gotta do i gotta do something that you know i i and i don't blame them shoot if i if i had a kid i wouldn't want them fighting but i just there was something about this competitive edge and the fact that they I don't want to say they didn't believe in me. It's just they wanted the best for me. But I took it as, you know, I made it up in my head as they did believe in me. So that fueled me. And my next fight, um, I got a randomly, just like perfect timing, got a fight offer to turn pro in Taiwan, in Asia, in my mom's hometown. And um, this is the first event that isn't in a bar or like a club. You know, this is like the first actually sanctioned uh mma national level televised fight and i was like wow this is and i'll be the first fight and then um it was it, it, and my mom used to sneak out and go watch concerts at this stadium this was the stadium that i'm fighting wow, so it's kind of like man, that's awesome came full circle i know yeah. and, and it's it's insane it's insane so and I grew up in Taiwan too, from second, uh, from third grade to fifth grade. I went back for school, and every single summer, I go back to Taiwan to go visit family and whatnot. So this is like the perfect moment, and I took it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going pro, and then I'm getting paid too. So it was nice. They pay cash out there. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I took the fight, and then the last fight was a decision, split decision loss, and I didn't like that. So the whole fight camp, I was training, I was really focused, doing all this stuff. And I came away with a 60-second knockout, uh, under 60-second knockout, something like that, in my pro debut. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, I, I can hang with the pros. I've been training long enough. The only downside I I, I, I uh, am lacking and I, I have is not enough cage time. Not enough cage time. So I made sure to get my next few fights. Really enjoy my time in there. Don't look for finishes. And then that's kind of what happened. That's amazing, dude. I love that. I love that story, dude. I love the fact that that was the same concert venue that your mom used to sneak out to that you actually got to play. I know. I know. I could I could believe that it. Is. I'm so glad you shared that with us, dude. Um, uh, switching into something a little bit more specific, one of my all-time favorite submissions in the history of mixed martial arts is the Peruvian necktie. The Peruvian necktie uh, is not very well, <laughs> it's not very often seen, not very often yeah. pulled off in a real fight, but you, my man, have pulled that <laughs> off. Where did you learn the Peruvian necktie, and then how did you figure, like, how did you feel to pull that off inside an actual fight? Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, so I was, we did it like a fun jujitsu in-house tournament at Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu when I was younger. 
Um, and it was like just like a fun in-house tournament, right? So it's anyone can compete, any anyone. And um, the way I was matched up was one of those brackets where I fought the tough guy, but I had a really good choke game because I didn't have a very good takedown defense game. So I had good guillotines and I had good like you know chokes, uh, like uh, darts chokes and stuff from a sprawl position or just like when someone shoots in. So then I watched on the WEC, I, I believe it was CB Dalloway, either in the UFC or WEC, one or the other. Uh, he pulled off a necktie. Now, I realized the Peruvian necktie was actually hard to pull off because my arms aren't that long. You have to grab your wrist for the Peruvian necktie. Right. Guy. So then I modified it, and I called it the Chinese necktie uh, because, you know, I, I, there's a Japanese necktie. I'm like, well, well I'll just choose a Chinese one. Sure. <laughs> you know, just sure. Throw, slap on a name on it. And the grip is um, – I'm actually just – uh, doing like a like a modified uh, you're just locking your fingers together, one thumb up, one thumb down. Just grab your hands together, and the reason why is because it, you're able to extend your arms longer, and then you use the blade of your wrist, also your knuckles, to drive into their neck. And also that grip feels loose in the beginning. It's like it is literally like a necktie. It feels loose once until you cinch it up, so they feel safe. A lot of people like to just stay there. So then uh, I pulled it off. And I actually beat the last guy in the ter- in the in-house tournament. He was a brown belt, I believe. I managed to submit him. He kind of took it. I'll be honest. He would kill me any other day. He just took it too lightly. He underestimated me. He shot in, lazy. I sprawled him out, and he was probably going to do a peek out or something. And then I, I jumped on his neck, and I was like 14 or 15, and I just pulled it off. And, and due to the fact that I was 14 or 15, I could pull it off against like 165 to 100. 75 pounder i was like dude this this choke works so i've competed in over 50 jiu-jitsu tournaments i've took first uh second at american uh pan ams and then uh i took first at us open and both those tournaments i pulled off necktie wins i've actually my very first jiu-jitsu tournament was us open i choked the kid unconscious with a necktie and that's kind of when i was like wow that's my choke you know so then in that fight last year, um, I was kind of talking to my coaches and I'm like, I really want to showcase my grappling because I'm actually a way better grappler than I am a striker, believe it or not. It's just I like striking now. It gets the job done. It's a lot less tiring. <laughs> you know, you could just knock someone out who doesn't want to see that. Sure. But then um, that guy I was fighting, I kept throwing body kicks and he just did the lazy shot on me and I sprawled him out. And then I was like, oh, it's, if I get the necktie, I almost feel like it's almost game over unless, you know, the time runs out or whatever. So then I pulled it off on him. And then that's kind of how I I started like that was the the moment I think I just introduced to everyone that I got jujitsu, you know, and then uh, that's where the, the necktie Chinese necktie came from. And it's just due to the reason why it's called a different name. It's just due to the modified grip. That's how I got it. That dude, and again, if you, the Peruvian necktie is one of those ones that it's such a specialized technique. It's such a rare thing to see pulled off that if you could become like the guy that could do that, well, we'll call, <laughs> what do you do? We'll call it the Chinese necktie. But if you could pull yeah. off that submission, dude, that is unbelievable. It just shows your your level of talent in that particular field of choke the choke game which is outstanding and highly underused so this is going to kind of lead us into i was not super familiar everyone knows bellator you fought in bellator everybody knows bellator Mm -hmm. but i was not familiar with the way of the dragon promotion um how did you get hooked how did you get hooked up with the taiwanese based uh fight company and it's two-parter um what was it like fighting over there i mean you kind of touched on it but like what's the scene like in taiwan and how did you get hooked up with um the way of the dragon promotion yeah, so uh, Way of the Dragon was an investor that um, 
he's he's just a business guy let's say that i don't know too much about him but let's just say he's a business guy um and he decided to want to open up a fight organization in taiwan because the there's a one fc referee by the name of kemp chang he is like i call him the fight coordinator of asia uh, taiwan he like he's a referee in in one he's a uh mandarin broadcaster for the ufc on espn so if you watch ufc in taiwan he is the commentator. He's like the Joe Rogan over there. Okay. So he runs he runs kind of like his the whole fight scene. He's like involved. He's just a huge, extremely huge fan that he also did Sando when he was younger. He got into kickboxing, did a little bit of Muay Thai, knows a little bit of Jiu-Jitsu. So everyone kind of knows him. The fight scene is very small out there. But he, through the years, he's been really growing it. Just so happens that his fight gym, it's called iFighting. That's his gym. Um, it was right next to where my mom was living. And I would just walk down the street and I saw it. I was like, oh, cool. Like there's a there's a gym that says UFC. It says jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing. And I was like, oh, I just walked in and started chatting with it. This is when I was 16. And then just through the years, I kind of like came in, dropped into class every summer, talked to him, chatted with him, stayed in touch. And then he told me, he was like, hey, there might be a fight organization for you uh, if you want to do it um, here. And I just said, sure. Um, if it falls through, he told me this two years before it happened. So he, he just gave me a heads up. And then when the time came for me to get really like get some pressure from my family and parents, and they're like, either go to college, do this, you know, get a degree or actually go back to Taiwan and fight and turn pro, which that was the other option from Kemp. That's the option that I took, you know, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. It's like a, a Hail Mary, <laughs> you know, so sure. that's where he kind of reached out. And in the beginning, it was called RFC rain fighting championships. But because they actually work closely with RFC in Korea road fighting championships, they work with one of the bosses or the managers there that they, they, they talk about changing the name. So it's not so similar RFC, you know, so they just change it to way of the dragon because of, uh, you know, uh, dragon has to do with like a lot of Asian culture. And they thought sure. it had to do with the Bruce Lee movie and all that stuff. So that's when they changed the name and the organization has been taken off ever since the last few events that I did, they're kind of like fight night events, you know, and then yeah. the previous ones that I did were more pay-per-view like events, which means they're in bigger stadiums, but because the fight scene is still so small in Taiwan, they're holding events maybe like twice a year. Um, that's their goal, but they look, it's, it, it, honestly, they started beefing it up with more amateurs because with more amateur fights means they have the chance to turn pro more often. You know, there's more fights now than ever. And, um, the fight scene in Taiwan is definitely growing, man. It, it's, it's growing like leaps and bounds, to be honest with you, since the, for the, the, since when I made my pro debut till now, like you're starting to see fight stuff going down everywhere. TV shows are having little jujitsu scenes in their TV shows. Uh, a lot of celebrities are doing, um, fights and whatnot. And I even did a YouTube, I did a video with this YouTuber and it got over a million views in Taiwan um and just because it had to do with mma and fighting and then i got a decent fan base out there now that i had no idea was even like a thing so taiwan is really growing and it's definitely mma is definitely getting very very popular over there and the difference between fighting there and here is in asia they love seeing the conor mcgregor's but if you're asian yourself and you try to portray a conor mcgregor like you know mentality you're not going to have a lot of fans because in asia it's all about respect you know yeah there's not a lot of disrespect even if you look at guys like shinya Aoki and kid yamamoto as as kind of like that bad boy mentality that they had 
they were still always very respectful. They'd bow to each other, shake people's hands, and they're very respectful to each other, uh, to the people. But if they didn't like someone, like when Shinya broke that guy's arm and then flipped him off after, that was personal beef that they had to settle. And in Taiwan, there's not really that. Everyone's too, I would say, passive. Everyone's very nice to each other. And even the gym that they don't like each other, they just have each other matched up and fight each other to kind of like uh, they shake hands still and they just go, we won. Everyone knows. You know, that's kind of the mentality there. So it's not actually like in America where gym has beef with each other and like guys like talk on social media. There's no social media like fighter yet in Taiwan, in my opinion. Maybe like, you get that one or two occasionally, but so far not yet. And that's kind of why I want to keep that respectful and martial artist role. And that's why I think I fit in so well in the Asia market because uh, I don't have any tattoos. And um, I, I, I come off as more respectful because I, I'm just not a good trash talker. If you told me to talk like McGregor, it wouldn't be me. You know, I suck at that. <laughs> you know, so I, 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 I'm more of like a... Even my, my, my jokes, it's like just more witty and like, you know, I'm like more of like a Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson type of character. I'm not, I can't do what Masvidal and all them do, you know, and I, I commend them for, for doing it because they're awesome. I love watching that stuff, but even I could pull off like the McGregor act in Taiwan and, and make it big. So I, I think that's why I'm so well received over there. And then that's why I think the Taiwanese scene is growing because they see you know, they have uh, parents over there. They're like, hey, my son could probably do martial arts because look at this kid. He has no tattoos. He doesn't, you know, smoke. He doesn't do anything crazy. He looks like a good figure for the sport, like a public figure. And, you know, why not? Why not have my son do some martial arts? Because this kid said he got bullied, you know, and then I think I, I, I can be a decent uh, either like a role model or like a poster boy, I should say, for, you know, the fight scene in Taiwan. I'm fully um, happy to embrace that role. That's awesome, dude. So we have uh, we have actually careened our way into round nine, uh, Kai. And round nine in the ten rounds of Rhino is always my obligatory food question. So when you have already <laughs> you have already won your fight, the weight cut yes. is over. It's time to just you know you really want to. You've been thinking about this one meal for this entire time that you've abstained yes. from eating, but it's now it's time to get in and get after it. What is the go-to dish when it's time to really indulge for the shadow? Okay, I'm not sure if you've ever had a lot of like uh, Asian food or authentic Asian food. But I had a lot of authentic the, Filipino food, but not. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see what you got. Okay, if you ever visit, are you from the where? Where are you from? I'm from Detroit. Okay, if you ever make your way down to the Bay, I will I'll take you to get some legitimate food that I mean I, I hands down you'll love it. Um. The, the Bay Area, California, if you ever come down here, not, I mean, right now it's probably not the best reason to come down, but don't worry, I, I, <laughs> right. I got you when you do. Thank but, you, my uh, friend. It's got to be hot pot, hot pot for me. Hot pot, Chinese hot pot's like this. You get pork belly, you get beef, you get chicken, and you just slice it very thin like a paper, right? And then you have a boiling pot with filled with seasoning. Yeah. And when I say seasoning, it, it it smells delicious and it's a little spicy, but most of the time, the ones that, you know, I, I can't eat spicy all the time because I, I train, you know, I can't burn it up in practice, but sure. I love spicy food. So it's hot pots like that. You throw a bunch of seasoning and whatnot in the, in the, in the hot, in the water, it's boiling. Yeah. You have a, you have a, uh, there's a hot pot machine where you just turn it on and you yeah, it's like, so it it's, like a, it's like a soup, it's like a soup, it's like a soup base. And then you have your skewers exactly. of meat and vegetables, and you cook it yeah, in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've totally, exactly I've totally seen that. So you have that, but 
you you put in the meat, you put in like fish balls, tofu, enoki mushrooms. You could put in noodles, instant noodles in there too, and then all that good stuff. And it's also the sauces that come on the side that just is so good. And honestly, this is actually a bad diet if you are a fighter to have. Uh, it's a little high in sodium, so you're going to probably retain a lot of water weight. But at the same time, if this is your off-season or just training in general, these are like no-fried stuff. This is all pretty good. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it's so delicious is because after you eat it, you feel all warm. And then, you know, it's just, it's just, man, it's delicious. <laughs> I, after talking about it, I'm like, <laughs> I want Fuck, man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It does sound pretty good. I remember, um, I remember seeing a whole thing on, on, on they were, they were in Szechuan. It was, you know, it was a Szechuan hot yes. pot. And they, they yes, used a lot exactly. of, exactly. Yeah. I remember seeing that and they used like, um, they used like, like beef fat for like the base of the soup. And then there was a uh-huh. million vegetables and a million meats that you could use and you paid by the, the stick. But then you also had like the super spicy, like garlic tamarind sauce on the side with like mm. extra Szechuan peppercorns in it. And exactly. It. it looks yes. so good, bro. I You're am totally going right. to take you. Yeah, Kai, I am a thousand percent going to take you up on it uh, whenever I do get out to the Bay the next time. I haven't been there in about 20 years, but I will certainly oh, wow. take you up on that. I am absolutely I, I would love to do that. That would be a lot of fun. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm not a great, I'm not great with spicy, spicy either. So we'll have to go to like the medium realm, right? We'll, we'll, we'll oh, go medium. Oh, no worries, man. Yeah. I, um, I, but I dude, always, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Oh, uh, so, so I, I was saying, um, if you ever decide to come down and, you know, either, either come train at the gyms we are, or do some more in-person, in-video interviews, feel free to swing on by. Cause I've had a lot of fighters that, came and, and uh, swung by like the barrier. Some fighters train with me. Um, I was talking to Dodge Sports about even getting some of the other guys that, that uh, we were, I forgot who we were chatting with, but uh, talking to Dodge Sports, Joey and whatnot, I was saying, hey, if you need it, any of the other Dodge Sports guys need to come down and get some training in or swing by, feel free to use my house, you know? So I got a good experience here, man. We got a good training. Because of COVID, I invested in some mats. My garage is matted up. I have a squat rack, bench, everything you could think of that's in a gym. I have all that stuff just because of the accumulation of uh, stuff over the years that I've collected to build like a nice custom little bat cave in my garage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shadow all cave. That stuff, so. Yeah, it's a shadow <laughs> cave, exactly. So definitely you got to take my offer up on that because not only will you get that hot pot treatment, but also that boba drink. I'm also known as the boba king. In oh, Taiwan I did not I know that. Okay, I've had boba tea before. Yeah. It's delicious. I love it. Oh, there you go. Oh man, yeah. that's awesome. I didn't know you yeah. had it in Detroit and stuff. Like well, we that. have a, we have a, right. So there's the, one of the main colleges called University of Michigan is called Ann Arbor. And Ann Arbor oh. is, uh, is where, is where we have the, where I've had boba tea before, uh, with the, you know, with the pearls of tapioca in it yes. and whatnot. And, <laughs> and it was delicious. So dude, that's I will my absolutely, drink, man. yes, man. Yes, man. <laughs> I will absolutely think awesome. about that when I got to the, when I got to California the very next time. Uh, Kai, I can't tell you how much an enjoyable experience it was to have you on, my man. We are all looking forward to uh, seeing how you progress in your career. We're all stoked for your Dodge Sports teammates tonight, Aaron, Jasmine. It's going to be awesome on CFFC. I'm so looking forward to watching it. Can you give us your socials, bro? Can you list off your socials so the other members of the Rhino gang can follow along with the shadow as he moves forward in his career? Yeah, yeah. Um, So – my social media, my Instagram is very simple. It's just at, and then my name, K-H-A-I-W-U, Kai Wu. There's not a lot of them out there. And then um, on Facebook, you can just look my uh, English name up, and I should pop up. I should have my own page. On Twitter, I am at Kai Wu as well. 
So for most of my social media, all my platforms are, are basically uh, the same. And then my, oh, my, my TikTok. I have a TikTok now because I got to get with the times. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, at Kaiwu as well. So I think I, I, I made all my um, usernames. You guys could all look it up at Kaiwu. Absolutely, man. We are. Oh, my God, Kai, that was so much fun. Thank you for being so forthcoming and informative, dude. I am absolutely over the moon about this interview and for uh, checking you out as you move forward in your career. We're all behind you, bro. And uh, we really look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is Kai, the Shadow Woo, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Man, that was a fun one. What an interesting uh, young man to talk to. What a, a incredibly forthcoming and um, just, a, just a really a great mind for the sport and on life. I really, this kid, it was like had an infectious uh, attitude. I really enjoyed talking with him. We talked off the air for a while too. He's a, not only is a good fighter, right, but he's a wonderful guy. And I really enjoyed uh, getting to know him better on this platform. Shout out to Dodge Sports for the hookup. Great, great, great interview with Kai. So thank you again, Kai. So let's go ahead and get into our shout outs and our outros. I definitely have to thank everybody who participated in the forum today. Sin City Sarah, our girl, check out her YouTube channel. My boy Holster at Home and Sale. My very dear friend, APB, thank you so much. To the homie Rage Sweet Potato from a Canada Way. Great question. And thank you for letting it be boxing related. Uh, of course, the homie Dave Fretz, the inside of graphic design. Check him out on Twitter and Instagram at Dave Fretz. Then to my homie D Kranz from uh, also up in Canada Way. Then, of course, Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Thank you guys all so much for participating in this week's forum. I definitely want to shout out some other members of the Rhino Gang Brat, Marquise, Angel from Shark Division. Mr. B, Miss Fight Diva, both the lovely Pamela's, Pokemama, the homie Cyrus King, the all the ladies and juice, of course, from the pot from the PRG. Thank you guys for all of your help. We had a big milestone as far as um, listens and downloads over the last few days. Uh, and they were a big part of that. I just want to make sure I shouted them out as well. My lady, Lanta Brown, um, by my homies, Mike Morgan and Kairos for the Shots Fired pod, the homie Scott Nolan. Asking them in there, just the Supreme Queen Supreme, and everybody else who listens and participates every week and week out. Thank you guys all so very much. Of course, to the future play, Andrea, the, uh, the the best engineer in the biz, D Reigns, my man Dave Fretz, the backbone of this operation. Just a quick minute to uh, want to give a shout out and a uh, my condolences to the family of marvelous Marvin Hagler, dude. The the former champ passed away. And uh, he was only 66 years old. And I heard Veer reading from statements from his family. It was very sudden and unexpected. He is one of the pioneers of boxing. That We call it the four kings of that division uh, back in the 80s. And Marvelous Marvin Agler was... Uh, just a pillar and a cornerstone of the reason why I got into boxing as a little kid. I, I absolutely loved him. He was uh, beloved by everybody uh, across the board, not just for his fighting style, but for his personality and what kind of human being and man that he was. So big ups to marvelous Marvin Hagler. Rest in power, sir. Uh, of course, let's go ahead and get into our outro. So I want everybody to try to be kind this week. Love is greater than hate. Be kind to your friends, your family, and your neighbors. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. Cage side.